Welcome back to Unplug It. Another week without Darren Park. And H, you've got a cold this week, but you've uh, gainfully gainfully logged in and, and uh, you're going to join us. And, and we welcome back Philip Daladarkis uh, in the uh, in the third stringers chair uh, to, to shore up the team. H, how are you feeling, mate, first of all? Not too bad. Not too bad. Always uh, Not too bad after a win. That's the main thing. Um, yeah, it probably would have been one of those, a bit of a down week if we hadn't won it, but yeah, um, it's a nice return to actually see us playing some attacking football. Um, yeah, it was, nice, was a, it? as I was saying, I've taken one, one of my kids two weeks ago and then one of them on the weekend just gone. The first week, the poor kids saw nine goals for the whole game and this week, the second, the second kid's seen nine goals in a quarter. I was feeling a bit sorry for for the eldest um, after that game. So, but yeah, it's there's a few good stories in it. That the rampaging start we've had, and then Hawthorne coming back and then actually holding on. I was I was sitting there when we're two goals up in the third quarter, fourth quarter, thinking, "Here we go again. Here here it goes. It's it's just about to happen again." And you know, we, yeah soldiered up we've got it got the result and we yeah fight on and take back what's rightfully ours in fifth position again <laughs> it is it is our spot it's our spot this year we will get to the Hawthorne game in a minute but Philip Daladarkis welcome back to the show I do want to tell you that we got a review this week from uh, a listener on Twitter who said that she enjoys when Phil is on the show because he provides a different perspective to the regular blokes well, you know, my mother is 83 and I did not believe that she was on Twitter. So, uh, oh, sorry, X. Uh, Mum, if you're out there listening, thanks very much. I thought it might have been your burner, Phil. <laughs> no, I don't do burner accounts and I don't do anything anonymous. Uh, if I'm going to be attacked, I'm going to do it uh, Do it from the front door in. <laughs> well, it, it, has been, it has been a strange week. Phil's getting uh, applauded on Twitter. Uh, we are playing attacking footy. Champion Data has our ball movement as a top three ball movement in the competition at the moment, which is amazing. Uh, we had another win. Second time we had a win at the Tribunal this season, which is amazing. Uh, and shout out to, to the IL-29 boys. I thought the uh, the cheer squad was the loudest I've of, of, of seen and heard them in years, maybe ever in, in my time following this footy club. The cheer squad was excellent on uh, on the weekend. So shout out to the Isle Twenty Nine uh, crew for uh, for hooking that up and and getting some noise and some emotion and, and excitement out of the, the cheer squad. I thought that was great to see. But H, you mentioned the uh, the win and back into our regular spot at fifth. It was really nice to see us play some some attacking footy uh, and kind of. I know it didn't stay that way for the whole game, but it did feel at times like you could see them just twisting the screwdriver, putting the foot down and just making things happen as opposed to reacting to things. And that was, that yeah, was nice we to see. Yeah, we went back to that giving a team a two-goal start as well, which was good to see. We made made that our, our own last year, giving teams two-goal starts and then running over the top of them. But um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting one. They, they kicked those two, then all of a sudden we're piling them on and it, it was... Yeah, it was quite strange to see because it's just not what we're used to. We're looking to sit there in the second quarter, going, "That's our usual finish score." Um, it's so it was a yeah, nice to 
kick a hundred points. It's um, it's second time this year, I think it was. Second time we get the hundred points. So, uh, but our highest score yeah, for the yeah, year all right. up. Yep. Um, yep. It was. I remember the commentators were saying at one point late in the first quarter how I think only if oh, was it last three three weeks before this we hadn't kicked over yeah. eight goals and we kicked nine and a quarter. Yeah, nine and quarter. Should have been ten. I. I. It was um on. <laughs> What ten seconds ago we were, ap- I think it was Wood was absolutely was capitated. Let's just say that. he was decapitated in front of goals. It, it was that clear. I, I mean, I was pretty much sitting next to the point post, and seriously, I'm surprised he got up alive from the way he was. He was attacked in that pack. It was, um, yeah. So we we should have drilled a tenth at that point, and yeah, that would have been a really nice stamp on that quarter. Um, but yeah, the just the the movement that after they had those two goals, we've pretty much gone. No, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get the ball and we're gonna run the corridors, and that's what we did. As soon as we got it, we ran, and and that's what we did. Round one, two, three, four, five, six. We ran the corridor, but then we kind of I don't know we we got that lead and we it just went back in our shell a little bit. Um, and and that's where we started turning it over. We would let them Hawthorne get back. We would let them basically block us up, and that's what we were beating in that first quarter. We weren't letting them get back in time to block us up. Um, I mean, the one thing we said last week that we had to learn from was make Sicily accountable. Phil's yeah. Phil's man, Cooper Sharman, made him accountable. He. He left him for dead. I don't know how many times on the lead. Sicily didn't know what to do. He he doesn't know how to play a player. He pretty much he, he'll guard space and pick him off. And as as if it was the last time we played him, as soon as he's got to be accountable for someone, he gets lost. And yeah, Sharman played the perfect role where he would sit on him, and as soon as the ball's ass coming our way. Just run away from him and get the ball. And uh, there's a few times there where he, um, Sicily tried to move up the ground a little bit, but then Sharman would be pulling back and making him come with him. And then, yeah, pull him back and then hit that, swing him around and hit the lead. And yeah, it was, I don't know how many times he was standing still when the ball hit Sharman on the chest. It was, it was great to watch him look and go, that's what would have won us the game last time. And that that one positional mm. thing would have been the re- difference between us winning and losing the last time against them, and it's such a simple thing, such a simple thing to do too. Mm. Well, there, I mean, there are a number of really good performances which which we'll get through. I mean, Brad Crouch, Naz again, Cal Wilkie, uh, but but Phil, well, your that, man. That that is that is slightly controversial when we get to the uh, the the. Uh, the votes and uh, we'll, we'll get some the of votes. the special awards later. But we'll, we'll get to the anyway, votes. But we'll, Phil, but, but we'll, Phil, we'll have it out then, big boy. Your, your man, Cooper Sharman. Not only is he electric when when he runs and jumps at the ball, and, and we we've, we've seen him a few times this this year and, and over the last couple of years get get a run and jump. Uh, but I feel like his work rate and his his work ethic around the ground has improved over the last month as well. How how are you seeing your boy? Yeah, so. The thing about Cooper is that you've got to remember, he was a recruit halfway through the season. So he hasn't come through a traditional pathway. 
I'm not sure what his preseasons were like previously. And I think that developing that tank uh, to play AFL football and certainly, uh, as we all know, the Ross Lyons style, which is uh, up and down, up and down. And from the, the, the time that the ball is bounced and the whistle's blown to start the game till the whistle uh, is blown for it to finish. And so I think it's taken him time to actually learn that and to earn uh, Ross and the coaching group's trust. But I don't think anyone questions that he's got the talent, but there are plenty of people that have come and gone through the St Kilda doors and the doors of the AFL that have had talent to burn and not made it. So uh, that application is what's going to set him apart uh, should he should he be able to uh, continue his career either with us going forward or um, another another club. Now, two two blokes that have shown that application over the course of this season, and I think both have have continued to, to have uh, very very good seasons. Uh, Brad Crouch, I thought we did we did two things very well for most of the game. The first quarter and the last quarter was win the ball, and then move the ball. Crouch, obviously a lead at winning the ball. He had another thirty two touches, eight clearances, kicked a couple of goals, which is nice to see, and Nazaya who is elite at moving the ball. I mean, he had 30, 30 plus touches at 82%. Um, the guy is, is, is a revelation for us you know, over the last eight weeks, 10 weeks. Um, we are going to talk about the votes and I think there is going to be some, I don't know, some consternation because there, there's, there's a couple of different uh, perspectives with, with the votes, but it's just good to see us put two of those things together at once because not often over the last few years, over the last decade, really, have we been able to put together winning the ball and moving the ball at the same time? Yeah, um, and that's and that's hopefully what we find will happen for the rest of the year. Things are, I guess, starting to click in some places. We're, we're working out what works, what doesn't. We're finding players that will, will fill a role that we may not have had earlier in the season. We're finding... Um, Multiple players trying to play for one position. And yeah, there's a bit of that competition. There's a bit of that play that role or your position may not be there anymore. It's it's a good position to be in where I guess you've got things starting to work and you've got other players who are waiting there to do that if you don't do it right. And um, I mean, we saw um, one thing that may have worked, may have put a little bit of a message across. We've probably, I mean, yes, one of the first touches he had did go to the opposition as usual, but Gresh went, was, Gresham was sub. He comes on early after Jones goes off and he actually did some good stuff. He, he, he was improvement on what we've seen for the last couple of months now was huge. Mm. Um, it is, I don't know whether that sitting on the benches at the game sort of just gave, gave a bit of a message like, if you don't play well from here, the next step is out. And and it's going to be interesting to see whether, as we were saying earlier, off, off, off air, whether he's going to go back to that position again this week in on the sub. Because, I mean, he really wasn't sub. When you look at it, I mean, he, mm. Jones was only on for, well, was it ended up being less than 10% of game time. So Gresham virtually mm. got 90% of the game to play. And um, 
yeah, so the big drop that we were expecting, I mean, it happened and then it kind of didn't happen because he was sub and then it didn't happen at all because he came on in a few minutes' time. So, yeah, it, it's those sort of players that you go, well, they're the ones who are going to have to pick themselves up. They're, if you get dropped to sub now, the opportunity, you have to take it. And I felt like he did a bit. So there's something that has improved as well. So there's all these little things that are just clicking that are seeming to start moving the right direction. And yeah, it's it's a, as I was saying, good thing to see that just sees just little puzzle pieces just forming and starting to get us right, giving us the opportunity to hold hold our position. I mean, this, this week is huge. And... I mean, it could, it could, all the part, all these pieces come together again, or they could just completely fall apart, and it, it's, it's going to be one that we sort of, yeah, it's going to tell a lot of stories to what we're actually, where we're going to be at the end of this year. Mm. We got, we got a, a, a lot of um, listener questions this week through, through the socials, and given there are so many, might just kind of throw to them uh, occasionally throughout the show rather than waiting. Uh, until the end to, to, to get to some of them just so that we can kind of um, mix things up. But Gresh, Gresh was a good one. And and Tim Rosen sent through uh, a question, Phil, I might throw this one to you, but uh, he asked, were there small signs of Gresh turning the corner last week with the way that he pressured them? Or will it just be a short-term fix because of the wake-up call of being the sub? And and I think that is, that is a, a valid question. So I'd love... Uh, Gresh to have turned the corner. He had 19 posies, uh, but only went at 73% uh, effective uh, disposals. Uh, and of his 19, only three were contested. Now, that's okay because he plays a, a non-contested game. He plays on the outside, link-up play, running through half-forward, up onto the wing. Uh, and I, I liked his game but there's still a lot more work for for him to do and I think for him to earn hopefully the trust back of uh, the playing group and also for the coaches. So good signs, but uh, uh, one warm day does not make a summer. For sure. And I mean, just for credit where it's due, like if that's his role to play more an outside role than, than through the middle and being that clearance type X factor, like I'll I'll take nineteen or twenty at at seventy five percent as opposed to twenty eight at forty percent or fifty percent, but I I think it really does depend on his role and I think yeah we talk about some of those performances with with Crouch and Naz and I think someone who's allowed them to 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 have those type of performances is is Jack Steele I mean it hasn't been Superman Jack Steele that that we've seen over the last three or four years but you know an, another twelve tackles for the skipper and I think. He's just doing a lot of the dirty work that then allows um, uh, Crouch to get his hands on the ball, win win clearances, that allows Naz space and and room to to roam and run and and deliver in the way that he can. And I mean, if maybe that's maybe him going back to that real kind of you know elbow grease role um, is is going to allow yeah. those guys to shine, but also give give Gresh some more room to to play that outside role. Well, we can only hope that he puts in an absolute blinder against Carlton, given the media speculation of uh, the blue bag is interest in him. 
<laughs> and uh, and then as a result, they uh, go and offer him a ridiculous contract, and we get a ridiculously good uh, compensatory draft pick for not matching the bid. And and you know, I'm not uh, I'm not one for uh, jumping on or off uh, player bandwagons. My bandwagons are St Kilda Football Club, and uh, if uh, the coaching group thinks that we're strengthened by him being at the club long term and can convince him with a fair contract, then I'm happy to jump on board that. If the club thinks that uh, that uh, as much talent as he's got, as much application as he has and as much effort as he gives, that he's not going to be around for our 5th, 6th and 7th Premiership, uh, then, uh, you know, I, again, I hitch myself to the St Kilda bandwagon and I make no apologies for that. Never, never, never apologise for that. Um, getting back to this particular game, though, Phil. Um, obviously, you know, we kicked nineteen goals. We scored over a hundred, as you said earlier. H. Uh, we also, I think, lost our structure, and and whether on, on the other end, I mean, I mean, defensively, lost our structure, and and whether that was the the impact of losing Dougal Howard or or whatever it was to allow Hawthorne to score ninety three points to kick. 14 goals. Uh, I, I do felt like our structure looked and felt a little bit off um, between the, the two big guys of Mitch Lewis and, and the debutant uh, Ryan and Luke Bruce, they kicked nine goals, three, they took 15 marks. Webster was well beaten. I think for the first time in probably all year by, by Luke Bruce. Um, Wilkie was very good. I thought, uh, but I did feel like we, we were a little undersized. I was surprised that Cordy, Cordy played forward and, and not full back in uh, in Dougal's absence. But how did you see that the backline structure without Dougal's? Uh, Wilkes, Wilkie had to do a lot more of the marshalling mm. players and getting him in position. That in, um, it, it was good to be able to sit down at ground level and just watch what he was doing. Because um, we know um, Dougal's does a lot of that during the game time most of the time. And you could you could see that he was um did struggle a little bit at times there was a little bit of um I've lost a player or where did this player come from or where where where's our player where's that just that sort of thing of um missing the miss i guess missing Dougal, not knowing not having that usual big backup and yeah, you, you could see him calling out plays. You could see him saying, "Look, well, yeah, where were you, or, or why aren't you in this position, or why? Where's yeah?" He did the job well, um, but you could just see, yeah, he's missing that one player. He's missing that one big, and it, it, a lot fell on his shoulders in the way of having to take the biggest forwards and. Getting him all together because, yeah, I mean, mm. I don't think we realise just how big a hole Dougal does leave, and it, it was it was yeah. always going to be interesting to see how much impact that was going to be, and it, it is pretty clear. It was pretty clear that we do miss him. There was contests where you go, that's where Howard gets a fist in. That's where Howard gets to that player and. Oh, like pretty much takes him out of the contest. That's where he 
outmuscles a player at times, or he locks the ball in, or he, um, not all the other thing we can go with. That's where he clears and hits a target, because he does. He hits more targets than anyone in our team. As much as we see him do these weird little turn around the corner, little chip kick, stupid things, he still hits more targets than anyone else in our team. And mm. yeah, it's just a couple of little moments you go. That's where he would have been, and it would have made a yeah a difference in a few occasions. So Wilkie did a brilliant job in who he had, but you could just see the hole that yeah Dougal did leave. Yeah, I feel like it also impacted our ability to to swing changes yeah. and and kind of move move the chess pieces around. I think normally we'd see, you know, if, if someone like a Luke Bruce was getting off the chain, you you, you start to move some some pieces around and I think that without that kind of anchor structure that that it was a bit harder to do that Phil Jimmy Webster has been very good uh since he's come back into the team he's obviously demolished Charlie Cameron uh demolished Cozzy Pickett uh he's played some some very very good games in in recent times but Luke Bruce got on top of him I was surprised that Ross didn't move Liam Stocker to to Bruce when that was happening but I mean do you think that's a part of not having those uh, rotations through the the back six? Yeah, look, it's it's entirely possible. I think uh, your analysis is uh, is good uh, for the first time tonight, but uh, uh, only <laughs> that, because twenty, only because I pray I pray I pray twenty one minutes. It took twenty one minutes, you, Phil. I praised you several times a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard the rest of it since, so uh, so I'm just I'm using a bit of reverse uh, a bit of reverse psychology with you. No, no, I thought uh, your point is well made, and I, I think though when you've got somebody that's really hot like that, uh, and and everyone else is holding their own, the question for mine is: Is there enough pressure being applied to the ball carrier as they're delivering the ball to Bruce? And uh, if somebody if somebody gets the benefit of that, and if Luke Bruce, for example, kicks twelve goals in a game, and no one else does anything else, well, uh, that that's probably a win, right? As long as as long as you're kicking a bigger a bigger score, so that they may have decided let's not move people around because the others are winning in their position uh, their positions, and if we we take somebody from another halfback flank or a different player and that doesn't work, then we've broken, we've broken that kind of uh, continuity in terms of the matchup. So, you know, you've got to look at it in t- totality. And uh, again, uh, the fact of the matter was we, we got challenged uh, twice. Obviously, they came back at us after our opening term uh, and, and sort of the slow burn through the second and third quarter. But that that start, middle, and and end of the the final quarter is what people should be really excited about because we ended the game against the Kangas uh, in a similar vein, and we continued that form on against Hawthorne, and we finished the game well against Hawthorne, and I think that we're going to compete and compete well. Uh, on Sunday against uh, the Blue Baggers, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think the team's turned a corner. 
It it does it does feel like it. And before we get into the votes for this one, a uh, quick one from K twenty eight on Twitter who said, "No question, just maybe some appreciation for what Butler does for this side." And I thought thought Dan Butler was very good on the weekend. I thought he was a pest. You know, he, he finished off some nice work in front of goals, uh, provided some excellent defensive pressure inside fifty as he has all year. I think he's got the third or fourth most tackles inside fifty uh, for for a forward across across. The, the league. So I thought he was very good again. And I think that that's kind of reflected amongst uh, our votes, which uh, we'll get to now. H, do you want to, uh, to get through Parco's first and then. Uh, yeah, I can get Parco's out. Uh, so he's gone. Um, you know, they're very similar to what I did, but he's given three to both Naz and Crouch. Um, one to Butler, one to Sinclair, Wilkie and Wood. Um, as I said, very similar to me. I gave three to Naz and Crouch as well. Um, couldn't split him as to who was probably the best on the field. Um, the only thing that brought me back from having Crouch clear favourite was, as I say to Nick earlier, he, he turned it over eight times during the game. Um, it wasn't that noticeable, but you sort of go back and look at it again and you see, oh, yep, yep, there it is, there it is. You, you kind of see... There was a couple that were kind of, um, it, it, they were pretty easy, like targets to hit, and yeah, you just it just scuffed it a couple of times that you sort of like to see that disappear. But um, yeah, both both great on the week on the day. Um, yeah, two to two to Wood. I think he just he presented all day. Um, popped up where we needed him. Um, gave us chopped us out a few times down back. Um, it was just a good all over game around all over the field. Um, yeah, so and yeah, one to steal, eight tackles, and doing the hard work in the middle. Um, and one to Butler, as you're saying, pest down forward, kicked four, and yeah, was just there to tidy up when we needed someone. 100%. Uh, I a, a little bit like you, it, it was. It was tough to split Crouch and Naz as the two best players on on the ground, but I thought Crouch what he did in the in the coal face, and then to finish off and, and kick goals at the end as well was was the difference maker. So I gave four votes to Brad Crouch. I gave two votes to Nazaya. I gave two votes for Marshall, who I thought battled hard and and again kind of presented um, all around the ground as options and outlets and and just did a lot of hard work that didn't necessarily pick up a stat or, or or anything like that. But I thought that he worked incredibly hard and, and he worked, uh, I guess, the, the Hawks' lack of ruck quality over and, and really kind of made his presence felt around the ground. I gave one vote to Dan Butler, uh, as you said, and one vote for Cal Wilkie for that very important role that he played down back. And Phil, I am interested to see how you've gone this week. Well... There's a lot of similarities and a little bit of difference. And that's what, of course, makes the world go round. Uh, I've actually given five votes to uh, Crouch. I, I, can't, wow. I can't understand for the life of me how you think, how you think that, uh, that, that, that the discrepancy or the difference between him and Naz was so fine. Uh, you know, when, when you have a look at... Uh, at Crouchy, 32 disposals, four tackles, three goals. 
he he eight was best eight clearances. He was and thank you. You well, you're arguing against yourself, but I appreciate that. I I gave, he, I he, gave Crouch best on. You just said in your commentary, and we can wind back the tape if you like, that uh, it was hard to split him and Naz. Yeah, and I ended up giving Crouch four and Naz two. So, so then it's not hard to split. Well, it, it was, but that was the difference. Okay, well. Uh, you're arguing against yourself and, and you're supporting me. So uh, more of it. Uh, thank you. Uh, five votes to uh, Nick Splitter uh, for splitting the difference. Uh, Crouchy, five votes. Naz, three votes. He was fantastic. Let's not take away from uh, from uh, arguments that hold no weight. He was brilliant. Uh, I then gave, and this will be slightly controversial because uh, there literally could have been uh, votes given to about ten blokes, I reckon, and the others would have probably, you know, been unfortunate to miss out, including Zach Jones, by the way, who I thought was doing okay before he went off with his injury. But uh, Jack Steele gets one, and I'm giving him I'm giving him one for twelve tackles. He had more tackles on the ground than about twenty players put together. And that includes some of the players that got zero tackles, which is how I got to that figure. Not that, uh, not that I, I struggle to, uh, to to count with my fingers and toes. Uh, and the other one I gave one vote to was Dan the Man Butler. Uh, four goals. You can't really go past that kind of a performance. And and he has really stepped up. Uh, I think. I, and what I'm liking. Obviously, loving his goal scoring, but I'm loving his leadership on the field. And I think you articulated it really well. You know, you, you caught him sort of being a bit of a pest. I would say that that's his leadership, sort of both marshalling uh, players what they need to do, where they need to do it, but also making sure that he is doing what he needs to do and where and when he needs to do it. So, you know, they're, they're the four players literally out of probably about uh, a dozen that, that could have got votes. And uh, kudos to the whole football team. And and you know what? I know that coaches can't get marks, can't get kicks, and uh, don't get stats on the on the sheet. But kudos to the coaches. We have been critical of St Kilda's slow starts uh, previously, and they could not have been hotter coming out the gates uh, from the get go. And of course, uh, the ability to get them up at three quarter time. So a massive wrap to the coaching group too. You're a, you're an odd unit. I think that's I think that's why people like having you on the show because no one knows what you're going to say at any point in time, and whether it actually makes sense or not, which is great because you know the rest of us don't make sense either. Um, normally at this point we'd move into a guest interview, but for the second week in a row, our guest has uh, pulled out very late in the in the piece. So we were going to have Craig O'Brien, and, and we're going to try and have uh, have Craig next week on the show. Uh, Quick shout out to a celebrity saint uh, out in the in the real world, Steph Catley, just quietly captaining the Matildas in uh, Sam Kerr's place, has, has scored two goals from the penalty spot in uh, in three games as a as a defender. Uh, Phil, you're you're a big uh, Matildas fan. How have you seen the uh, the Tilly so far? I think their their performance uh, against Canada was about as good a performance as you could have planned. And uh, I think their attitude is what was both surprising, pleasing, 
and for me, the thing that should be celebrated the most. They could have come out and been fearful and 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 nervous and and tight in terms of uh, knowing that if they had a draw, they were likely on the way out of the tournament. And being one of, of course, one of the host uh, nations, that would have been uh, a really uh, a really sad uh, outcome. But they came out and played with intent. Uh, they created more chances in that first half than I've had hot yum cha lunches uh, in the last uh, last month. And let me tell you, uh, the yum cha has had a good going over. <laughs> so uh, I think I think they were brilliant, uh, and the ratings showed it. Right, the Australian public have got right behind them, and their first game against Ireland was, I think, the perfect game to begin a tournament. Uh, they got the job done. They got the points on the board. They let themselves down against Nigeria. And, and I think that that, in hindsight, has probably been a really good kick up the bum for them in terms of uh, they got the early goal to to go ahead, if you remember. And then just on the stroke of halftime, they allowed the Nigerians to equalise. And I think that probably unsettled them. They, mm. they were expecting to go into halftime going, right, we've, we've almost one foot into the second round of qualification here. And, and as we all know, and we see it with St Kilda uh, and sporting teams around the world, doesn't matter what uh, sport uh, they're competing in, that if you, if you drop 5% uh, and your opposition raises 5%, firstly, it's hard to wrestle back that momentum. Uh, and secondly, it's hard to change your psychology. So their performance, so full of merit, and I think it really bodes well if they can take that mindset uh, into their future tournament games. Well, H, we we have somewhat of uh, an approval from Steph's manager to talk to her after the tournament's over. And as a as an Arsenal fan, you must be looking forward to that. No, uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not, not not as an Arsenal fan. No, no. Um, as as you've probably known, I'm. I'm I, I kept an eye on Arsenal over the years. I wasn't actually in a, like a full-on Arsenal fan. That was until my team made the Premier League. So, yeah. Um, one thing I never thought was ever going to happen. You're an so, fan. yeah, it was. You're an Arsenal no, fan. No, I, I, I kept kept an eye on Arsenal yeah. over the years until until the mighty Brentford bees made it. So, it was a <laughs> long time waiting. Um, there was just a. I think one of the main reasons for Arsenal was to get into one of our mates who decided to jump on Tottenham. So, <laughs> um, very yeah. good. Well, um, we hey, there's nothing wrong with Tottenham, right? Nothing there's wrong nothing with Tottenham. Wrong with there's there's plenty wrong. There's pl- there's plenty wrong with uh, Tottenham. Oh, you guys are a disgrace. <laughs> let's uh, I, let's let's. And let's ball on. is going to reinvent. Yeah. And ball is going to reinvent the world. All right. <laughs> Let's anyway, Steph Cadley, what a fantastic, what a fantastic leader she is, uh, and uh, can't wait to uh, hear her be interviewed um, after hopefully raising the World Cup as the captain. That would be nice. Well, or you have to imagine that if Sam is back, which you think she'll be back in the next game in, in the knockouts, that she'll probably be captain. Phil. Um, moving on to to the Carlton game Sunday afternoon at Marvel three twenty. Uh, 
I mean, we, we all know we, we've spoken about it a number of times over the the last couple of years, but but Carlton are one of you know, the most hated teams for St Kilda fans, uh, if not the most hated team. And, and we've had a few a few questions uh, around where in the pecking order of the three C's that Carlton sit. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys before I guess we get into this game. Um, do you have a, a a most memorable, a most hated Carlton memory, Carlton moment, Phil? Given you're the the oldest here, I might give you a few minutes to have a think. Um, but H, uh, have you got a, a most hated Carlton memory? I think it's just any time they're up and about. No, yeah, it's no. There's probably nothing worse than when they're actually winning some games and they're getting a bit arrogant. Um, it's nothing better than pegging them down a bit when 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 they are meant to be up and about, and we manage to knock them off. So it's a hopefully that's what happens again. But yeah, they just just change completely when they're actually winning games, and not not much fun to be around. So, but yeah, as for. The players themselves, that sort of thing. No, never been anyone, any players I've sort of been a bit so-so about, but it's it's just generally their fans. <laughs> That's pretty much the the, the mm. one thing you look at going, yeah, no, they're not. They're a lot easier to so, uh, socialise with when they're sitting down the bottom somewhere. Mm. Philip, in your long and illustrious and long life, is there anything that, that sticks out uh, in your mind? Well, basically every Monday in the 1980s uh, during a football season was unbearable uh, in the schoolyard. You boys probably weren't alive back then and and uh, that's okay. But let me tell you, going uh, to school and, and being a wee tacker, a primary school at the time, and having Carlton and Essendon uh, supporters in the schoolyard, bully mock tease, make fun of, attack, uh, and remind you about where St Kilda was on the ladder uh, and where they were was not a pleasant experience. And uh, I can honestly say it's funny that uh, whilst, you know, obviously everyone talks about hating Collingwood and, and, you know, I have no love for Collingwood, but through most of the 80s, Collingwood were almost as bad as we were until... Lee Matthews went there uh, late, and so uh, my most uh, my, my my most regrettable memories uh, all are centered around Essendon and Carlton supporters. So H, mm. you have hit the bullseye, uh, and then some. So you know, and then of course there's the treatment that Carlton made with St Kilda, where they managed to offload all of their players to us that they you know. Decided we're too old, and and um, and we they were some of them were quite serviceable for us. Don't, but but that says more about the team that we had, <laughs> not not about the players that we got. But of course, you know Ken Sheldon. Uh, let's be let's actually really be clear about this. A lot of the performances uh, that we're we're at today, and the professionalism that the club uh, can be proud of, can actually be dated back to when Ken Sheldon took over as coach. Spot so, on. Uh, kudos to to uh, Carlton players and administrators and coaches, and of course, you know we've we've got the full back of the century uh, in our club right now, 
and there's nowhere I'd rather be than standing shoulder to shoulder with uh, Stephen Silvani walking down the race because uh, the guy is a champion of the game. So uh, lots to celebrate, but uh, certainly lots to uh, to reflect on. Yeah, I think I think you're both right. I mean, it, it's the fans ultimately when it comes down to we we know that you know for a hundred years this team has beaten up on us most of the time. Uh, we we know all the stories of Ian Collins and John Elliott and all the you know the pig's ass and the let them rot and all those sorts of things. We we know that, but ultimately it comes down to the fans. And and my story is a bit similar to yours, Phil. Yeah, you know, growing up at a at a Jewish primary school where you were either a St Kilda supporter or a Carlton supporter, uh, and during those early, you know, late eighties, early early to mid nineties, when Carlton were you know, a powerhouse, you know, especially through that 95, 96 period. Um, yeah, it was unbearable. It was unbearable. And and being one of the two teams to beat Carlton in 95 was was a wonderful memory. But, I mean, for so long, for so long, they were my most hated team until Adelaide came along in, uh, in September 97. Um, so all I can say to, to our footy club this week is let's just please – beat these bleeps this week because I just hate them so much. But as we turn towards this game, they're a different team to the team that we faced earlier in the year. I know that they, they were in some good form to start the year as we were, and they, they've dropped off horribly uh, through the middle portion of the year, but they've won six in a row now. They beat Collingwood who are you know quite easily the premiership flag favorites and deservedly so uh, they, they play the best footy in the, in the competition, but Carlton six in a row, including the Pies last week. Uh, it's not going to be an easy one, and, and both both teams are missing some some players. H. Yeah, um, it's a couple of big outs for them when you look at who's mm. dropped out this week. Um, Chair has found some form recently. Um, it, it was one that I was kind of not that disappointed we missed out on originally. He turned up to Carlton and looked at like, yeah, it. it left his right foot in Fremantle. It, it was just tor- horrible to begin with. And I thought, okay, we've we've almost dodged a bullet here, but yeah, he's found some form recently and he's providing some really good midfield drive for him. And th- there's a big hole they have to fill this week. And um, it, it's a kind of player we think, well, it's one that's actually gone our way this year. We haven't had many players who have been in the best players for these teams we've come up against missing. Um, we've, I think we've had one game where a couple of good players have dropped out and beforehand. And I think even maybe in Carlton last time had a few of their players missing in that game. Um, I don't think Cherry, I don't think Cherry played that game either. Um, so, so he, he's out and the other out, sorry, I've lost it. My page was um, where was it? Oh, McGovern, who, yeah, he yeah. he had just been finding some form as well. Um, that sadly could almost spell the enemy if this is a bad hamstring, um, which it sounds like it's not great. Uh, he he may be in a little bit of trouble. I reckon he was probably pushing towards grabbing another contract, but. Yeah, I believe it's up this year, and if he doesn't get back, he could be in a little bit of trouble there. So, but 
there's there's a big hole in their defensive lineup that's that's all of a sudden come up mm. that they got to fill. And you look at the who we've got coming back this week, and we've got all we're bringing back is big forwards. And there, there's an opportunity to exploit what they've just lost. Uh, it's it's yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see do we, who we select out of our all our ins, and do we play tall because they've lost a, a tall defender or yeah, it's. I think it's one of the things that probably um, we did do well against them last time. We played slightly tall, and our tall players were actually quite good. It might be something that we look at trying to exploit again. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see out of the three tools that we brought in and the three tools we pretty much already got in there, which way we go. Is it, it's it's going to be a mm. it's going to be a rough session tomorrow, I think, to for a couple of them because can't fit them all in. No, that's right, and and you know for, for those listening, we, you're recording on a Thursday night as we record the ins at the moment. Brad Hill has come in; he's named on the ground. Max King, Tim Membry, and Jack Hayes all named on an extended bench. You can't; they're not all coming in. Like, no. let's be honest, they're not all coming in. So either they're expecting one or two of them to not come up out of tomorrow's training session or potentially Shaman's not right uh, because we know that he had some some hamstring tightness towards the end of, of last week and, and at the end of that game. So th- there could be some, some forward line changes this week. Uh, it is an interesting one given how those kind of second-level Marking defenders have gone against us. Um, you know, the, the ones that play a little bit looser, you know, sit in the hole. Uh, you know, we, we haven't been good historically against them, and and McGovern is that type of player. Uh, so it is going to be interesting to see how we we line up against them. But one of the other interesting questions is what happens with Patrick Cripps this week? You mentioned Chera out. Obviously, Sam Walsh is out, and, and I think that allows us some movement to, to put some real time and effort into into Paddy Cripps. We saw what he did in the first half against us earlier in the year where he destroyed us mm. in the middle of the ground until, you know, a, a, a half a half fit Jack Steele sacrificed his own game and, and, and went to Cripps in the second half and, and neutralized him. Uh, but it, it's going to be really interesting to see whether they go Steele head-to-head with, with Cripps again, whether they put someone like a Windhager and bring him out of that back six, you know, where, where he's been really impactful over the last couple of weeks, you know, bring, bring Windhager into the middle to, to go head-to-head. Um, Phil, how do you see that, that Patrick Cripps matchup? So Patrick Cripps isn't who I'm worried about, uh, to be honest with you, because uh, he's a superstar and superstars are going to do what they do. Uh, I Just let me just... Uh, I'll come back to it, but let me just sort of uh, go a different turn. Uh, I'm actually excited that Chera's not there. Uh, he has been in scintillating form. In fact, I'll go so far to say that if he is not leading Carlton's BNF uh, or Brownlow votes by this time or, or this round uh, in their respective counts, I'd be very surprised. And so him not being there, I think, uh, is a great opportunity for us. But also, it's it's a double-edged sword because if you have a look at the people that they've brought in, the reason that they've been doing so well is because of the even evident contribution 
through throughout uh, not just the middle, but the wings, and uh, also uh, all of the contributors across uh, each of their lines. So Blake Akers, who uh, I really liked when he was at St Kilda, I thought he was largely unaccountable running up and down the wing uh, without care or concern for his opponent, and I think he still does that at Carlton. Is still pretty damaging when he gets the ball. He runs and carries, he breaks the lines, and uh, generally speaking, he uh, gets a lot of metres gained for the for the team. Uh, I think that uh, Paddy Dow, who St Kilda apparently have had their eye on for uh, a good part of the, the season, has come back into the team and taken his opportunity. It's all their lesser lights, right? Fogarty as well. Another one. People aren't talking about Fogarty. No one mentions his name, but he's come back into the team and done really well. So, you know, from my perspective, I think it's those lesser lights for, for Carlton that are, are the biggest threat for us. And you know what you're getting out of Cripps. That's why I said that, you know, I'm not kind of phased or fussed by Cripps. What I'd love to see, and I know that we're not doing it, but I would love to see us uh, use Winhager on Cripps. Uh, and say to him, just run with him the whole game. We're not talking about tagging, run with him. Where he goes, you go. He comes off the field, you come off the field. He goes to full forward, you go to full back. Uh, He goes to the toilet, you go as well, right? So anywhere he goes, you follow him. And I just think that there are some things that we need to get out of these games that are not necessarily just the four points. And getting that kind of football education into somebody like Windhager uh, at this part of uh, his career, I think, is invaluable. But, you know, Ed Kerno, uh, people talk about his brother, but Ed Kerno can play. And uh, let's not forget that he's had a lot of injuries uh, that have interrupted his career. But when he's on, uh, he's on. Zach Fisher, also in, in can play. Sam Durden has uh, had some Great games. Uh, so, you know, I think from my perspective, uh, it's not just Cripper. Uh, and I think we're, that we can we can do the job, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, the other one, by the way, and I'll finish on this note, uh, is Adam Saad. And uh, I think that just like we did the job on Sicily, we're going to need to make sure that we have a forward pocket that does the job on Saad as well. H, I could could see you nodding away when uh, when Phil was talking about uh, Windhager on Crips. You you agreeing with that sentiment? I think there'll be a job in there of some sort, whether he goes directly to him or I don't know he's just there to be a, a a pest or something, just to not give him that easy run out of the middle. Um, I I didn't see on the team list that. Owens has been named in the middle, just like directly. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't suspect both would be in there at the same time. Um, but it's it may, it may be a change up thing. Maybe if if he is playing the second ruck role again, or then Windhagen may come in and give us a a bit of that. But yeah, um, I'd probably think him and Steele might probably go against each other a bit more. Than Windhager, so it's could be more around the ground, could be more, um, yeah, like say, and around the ground a stoppage or something like that. He might just just be close, just be close enough to 
not give him that run if he gets the ball from the hit out just to be there and on top of him as soon as he gets in kind of thing so and and that's mm-hmm. where the issue usually is that he gets the hit out and then there's no one there to stop him just be goal side of him at the stoppages don't let him get out easily and yeah it, it could be as simple as similar role as that um and then you get that whole tagger tagging a tagger tagging a tagger kind of thing where you all of a sudden and they and then and then he can't get out because they're crowded and yeah it's going to be a interesting to see how we actually do man them at at these um stoppages but as i was saying Jerry's not there doing it now he's not gonna be the one clearing it out um uh, we've got um walsh is back this time we didn't have him last time when we were playing him or or, or did he just come back last time no walsh is walsh is out is oh, walsh is out oh, walsh he's is out. out he's out oh, he's out yeah okay sorry um was that this week or was that no it was earlier wasn't it yeah yeah. No, he, he went out, went out last, last week. week. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yep. And he's out for he's out he's out for I think two yeah, to three. Yeah. So, so there you go. There's a there's a so reverse much, that's so yeah, simple. So it's pretty much Cribs. <laughs> yeah, as you're saying, he's going to be the one who's going to have to do it. And we know he's not a big runner. He he's that power in the middle just to start and get and clear it out. If we cut that off, you you've cut off half his game. So let, let, let's, mm. yeah, let, let's see what happens. We'll be interested to see if that's how we attack him, whether we just completely stop him at the clearances. But yeah, if I guess Winghager is probably the opportunity one to do that. Um, and yeah, if that's if that's the role he's getting, you know, he's done it before. But I think most of the day, I reckon we'll see him, um, Crips and Steel, running side by side. I I agree with both of you in in some respects. I I do think it's going to be majority steel, um, but only because I think Windhager's kind of found his position for the rest of this this season, you know, across halfback and 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 pushing forward from there. I I do agree with you, Phil, in that that this is kind of a perfect perfect week to get some midfield development and midfield learnings into a young kid. And I've been really impressed by Mitch Owens all year as, as we all have, but over the last few weeks, seeing him push up a bit further and spend a bit more time in the middle. Uh, I, I kind of feel like with Zach Jones coming out that Mitch Owens might get a bit more run through the middle and just being that kind of burst player from a stoppage has the ability. He's got big, strong body um, has a little burst of speed. We know that he doesn't have the, the same, running power probably as as a Zach Jones, but has this the, the same ability to kind of burst out of a stoppage or a clearance and, and kind of move move the ball forward. And and I I feel like yeah, you, know, you mentioned it, H that he's been named in the middle and, and we know that, that doesn't that's not the be all and end all. We know that it doesn't ultimately mean anything where players are named and how they line up. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Mitch Owen spend a bit more time in the middle this week with Jones out. Um, and obviously those those ins of um, you know, potentially King, Membry, Hayes, etc. Spending more time forward, we just don't have the ability to to play all of these guys. Plus Filippo, plus Higgins, plus Butler, um, plus Sharman. You know, we don't have the ability to play all of them forward, and mm. so it wouldn't surprise me to see Mitch Owen spend a bit more time in the middle. And and in, if that is the case, then I think that it's Steele that goes to Cripps and and kind of goes head to head. And we know that he's had success doing that in the past, whether it was a as a tagger 
um, B, going head to head and win your own ball in, in those kind of uh, 2020, 2021 seasons um, or, or earlier in, in this season when Steele was clearly not fit, not healthy, but, you know, like, like we said before, kind of sacrificed his own game to, to stop, uh, to stop Patrick Cripps. So that's it. it there, there are a bunch of um, interesting matchups in this one. You know, obviously without Dougal Howard, what happens with, Charlie Kerno is a is a really important one. Whether it's the bigger body of a Josh Battle or a Zane Cordy that goes back, uh, or whether it's Cal Wilkie and, and trust old reliable with with, uh, with Charlie. That that's going to be really interesting. And who who do you guys think lines up on on Charlie? Oh, probably has to be Wilkie. Uh, he, that that that's the job right there. I mean, I don't think I don't see anyone else doing it. Um. No, no, um, Mikai to worry about. So at least we've got, I guess, a one on one, genuine one on one down there, and not a one big defender and two big forwards kind of thing. It would have what would have happened. Um, with Dougal missing, but yeah, we get that one. I guess one out comp- uh, contest, and yeah, Wilkie, Wilkie's been stubborn, giving goals away this this year, so. Be nice just to have him take a scalp just to shame down because I mean we've said Collingwood couldn't shame down last week and we know how well their defensive pack usually works and just just to I guess stick it to the ones who are doubted that we've got any sort of I guess structure or balance or anything like that if if he's able to just shut him down make that a, a match winning performance. All of a sudden, everyone's going okay. That they're they're serious, and yeah, that that's exactly where it's probably going to start this week. If if we let him kick that six, that's there's troubles. We're 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 probably done. So, um, yeah, it's a massive job ahead of him, but we know he can do it. We know he he so has that some- ability to just shut a forward down. So I'll throw some numbers at you. Uh, Kerno is 194. Uh, Zane Cordy, 195. Battle, 193. Uh, Wilkie, 191. Now, that, you know, we know that Wilkie plays tall and short uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, uh, his capability, his ability. But this is the big one for mine. Wilkie's 88 kilos. Uh, Cordy, 92. Uh, Battle is 93 on the stats, whereas Kerno uh, is 94. I, I'd be going Zane Cordy. I know it's a little bit out there, uh, but I, I'm I'm going to Zane Cordy and I'm saying, there you go, mate. You get first crack. Uh, I'd then look at Battle as the backup. And if there's pressure on the ball carrier up the field and, and the ball's not being given to him lace out, I believe that Zane Cordy can do the job for us. Your issue there is your issue I, there is guys. He is he's going to be way too quick for for Cordy. And there's yeah. I, I kind of uh, I agree nah. I agree H. I think that is that is the issue, but I can I kind of agree with Phil here and that this is why this is the exact reason why Zane Cordy was was brought to our footy club was to to be that backup key defender in on the occasion that we lose one of our key guys in 
And and that is exactly what's happened. That's why I was so surprised that Cordy played forward last week when you've got a guy like Mitch Lewis, who's so big, so strong, so dangerous that Cordy played forward. But I, I kind of, so I, I do agree with you, Phil. I think that Cordy's the number one guy. And I think that if it's if it becomes apparent early on that, that Kerno's getting off the chain and, and that he is, uh, he is kind of taking him to the cleaners. Then Wilkie goes back as as the reliable. I know he's I know he's smaller. I know he's lighter, but I kind of feel like th- that he's the backup. But if if Cordy if Cordy's the number one key defender, uh, Wilkie's just kind of sitting in the hole, just yeah, a couple of meters in, in front of them, uh, and just eating up some of the space. We know how well he reads the ball. Battle can can play deeper in the goal square he can push up the ground and, and deliver but um i kind of feel like the combination of cordy and and wilkie can can get it done especially you know without harry mckay yeah it, it's H. a good combination but i just don't see cordy be able to stick with him for end of game i mean we saw yeah we saw um more last week who is a running defender he he was on um, Kerno basically the whole game and he struggled to keep up. And it's going to be a massive ask if we say to Cordy to take him. Um, and, and that's like, he's probably physically, if we can somehow get Kerno to play just one-on-one physically, then we're much mm. more of a chance. We've- All right, I'm going to throw one more stat at you. And this one's directed at UH. Player that was 197 played at 94 kilos, and his name was Zach Dawson. Yep. Right? I think there are a lot of similarities between Cordy and Dawson, and I think that Dawson uh, has not had people looking after his career in his best interests over the journey. I think he's been moved forward, he's been moved back wherever we've needed, he's not been able to settle, he's not been given a chance, and I think. Uh, I'm happy to be uh, the one out, as uh, Nick always thinks that I am. But uh, I'm I'm saying to him, uh, I'm going up to him saying, I know you can do it. It's not a question of can you. I know you can do it and I know you will do it. And we're giving you the most important role on the ground and you're going to show everybody what you can do. And then I, you know, once he does show that, then you go and trade Dougal Howard uh, to another team next year for uh, a whole lot of draft picks because you know then you've got your replacement. Yeah, I. Oh, fair, fair, fair enough. If he does it, um, yeah, it's just the, it's just that pace I'm concerned. He, he Kerno takes a lot of, a lot of marks on the lead, and that's where he's got. Got to make the big. Where he's. Got to make the big calls, yeah, yeah, H. Um, can't sit oh, on, the on the fence. I'm saying I, I do think he's not going to be able to keep up. But he has to, he'd have to have him one on one the whole time. He's going to take a lot of marks on the lead, and it's not something Cordy's going to be able to keep up with. So, if if he plays there, he's got to get him one on one, and that's as pretty much as simple as it is. Ted Lasso, baby, believe <laughs> your favorite. Uh, your favorite. Twitter gif. It is my favorite is gif that, of all that time. That um, positive thinking. A couple of quick ones before we finish up. Some some questions from the listeners that we haven't kind of spoken through just yet. Uh, Phil, your your biggest fan on Twitter, Saz Sazzy Bear, 
has asked, does Caulfield oh. and Hayes get a game this year? And obviously Hayes is pretty close. Hayes is pretty close to be named this week, whether he gets up or not is an interesting one. And, and Nick Caulfield uh, has been pretty good the last couple of weeks for the twos. Uh, and Steve has also asked, do you think Sharman has gone ahead of Hayes and Membry as a, as a tall forward option? Phil, any thoughts on uh, on those guys? So Sharman plays very different to Hayes uh, and Membry. And so the answer to that is, has he gone ahead of them? Uh, I don't think so. And as we've said repeatedly, both on this pod and previously, I'm a bit of a Sharman fanboy. Uh, I think the kid has a lot of potential, uh, just needs to, again, have the right TLC to get it out of him. Uh, I think the... I think the the big missing ingredient for us actually is Hayes. Uh, we only saw him for a few games last year, but his ability uh, up forward to mark strongly and kick straight, that's the big thing. He was such an accurate kick for us. The other thing also is his ability to actually go into the ruck. Now, if you don't value ruckman because you value clearances uh, and, and, and sharking it from the opposite Ruckman, then that's okay. Then it's not as important. But, you know, I always remember, I think, I'm not sure whether it was Robert Walls that said it, but I always remember somebody saying that, you know, you don't put your thoroughbred into the middle uh, against a Ruckman. And I I always worry when we put Mitch uh, Owens into the Ruck against a big-bodied Ruckman, even if it's the opposition's second second Ruck in, in the side, I'm always worried about him getting injured uh, as a result of the uh, of the misstep. So I, I think Hayes becomes a, a really important cog uh, unless you play Tom Campbell, right? Same same type of role that's needed, somebody that can uh, support uh, uh, the ruck and also be able to go forward at the same time. And, and of course, Big Row uh, is doing it for himself. Uh, he's uh, been amazing uh, this whole season, but we're late in the season. And I think that that's, you know, you only have to look at Melbourne actually to have a look at the impact that Gorn is now having. But Gorn's had three quarters of the season chopped out because Brody Grundy was playing in the ruck as well. So he's not, has his body has not been as banged up as somebody like uh, Marshall because Marshall's done it himself the whole season. For for the second time in a couple of minutes, Phil, I agree completely with you. Um, I, I I'm never going like... to be able to buy another Tats ticket. I'm I'm just not because I've <laughs> I, used up all my luck in, I, I in this one episode. It's, it's an amazing thing to say because we've only seen it for a couple of games. But Jack Hayes is, I, I feel like, one of the key kind of missing ingredients to this lineup as yeah, he's a big, strong forward type guy who can push up to the ground. We saw him run through the ruck, run through the middle uh, early last year and, and his ability to to kind of, even though he was big and heavy, he could still get across the ground pretty well and, and impact on the wing and, and take contested marks and, and be an outlet from half back and all those types of things. But to be able to push forward and, and impact on the scoreboard. Uh, but, but as that second ruck, he's so much more suited to give Rowan Marshall a chop out than a, a Mitch Owens. And I think you're right. Like that's it's, the, it's the argument for not playing Max King in the ruck. And we've seen a lot of it over the last two years to, to, you know, when Max King's not kicking straight, running through the ruck. Well, no, I mean, Max King is a thoroughbred like, like Mitch Owens. And the last thing you want to do is put, put those guys in harm's way more than they need to be. This is a dangerous, tough, hard game. And the ruck is, is not the position 
for your key players like a Max King or a Mitch Owens. And, and I'd much rather see Mitch Owens learn his craft in the middle of the ground or across half forward and, and be able to impact that way than have, you know, guys like, you know, I know he's not playing anymore, but, but the, 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 the Shane Mumford type guys, the, the Riley O'Brien run through him in the middle of the ground and have his career ruined by, you know, having to come up against guys that are 15, 20 centimeters taller and 20, 30 kilos heavier. Um, and, and Jack Hayes is that guy who can, he can take the punishment. He's got the big body. He can give the punishment and he can impact in a number of ways. I, I really feel like Jack Hayes is, is the guy moving forward to, you know, whether it's this year or next year, I, I, I do feel like he's the, the second guy. H, uh, another question uh, from Lissa's ST Campitelli, St. Campitelli. What does our ideal forward line look like in the next few weeks with Max, Membry, Hayes, Hammer, Sharman, Owens, and Filippo available? Oof. It's a good problem to have. It, it, yeah, it, it's a big problem to have. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a very big problem. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones you look at going, we, we've probably got to name it based on who we play. If they're all available, it's going to be a situation of, all right, who are their defenders? And who do we think can beat them one-on-one? Um, question still is, is memory still in our best 22? Um, should he be coming straight back in? That's the other question. Um, does yeah? Do we need him to go play Sandy for a little bit just to have it just just to have that a, a bit of a touch of the footy because he hasn't he's hardly had anything at all this year and we, he came back first time and it was a little bit of okay yeah yeah it's all right but also struggled a fair bit as well um, I I don't see him being straight back in. Um, as much leadership and whatever we get from him, it's probably not the right decision. Um, but if I guess King's probably you're not going to as you're talking about not playing um, Owens into ruck, you're probably not going to play King at Sandringham. It, it's a very similar situation. I mean, we've played him at Sandringham before, and he's got injured. And yeah, it's it's probably one of the last things we want. Um. Good thing is he was playing really well before he got injured again. Probably, hopefully, shouldn't take us that long for him to get back into it. Um, so if you, but once again, I've I'm been an advocate the whole time. I want him up the ground a little bit further. I want him up at centre half forward. I want him getting that mark 40, 40 to sixty out each time. I think he can be a liability for a sitting in the square. I, We're not getting his full potential sitting in the goal square. I mean, he sits there and he's all of a sudden got three, four defenders sitting on him. And that's not helping anyone. That's not helping us whatsoever. So get him up the ground, get him one-on-one. And that's where he's going to dominate a, an opposition player. He's going to dominate an opposition player, one out, ha- up higher on the ground. And, and I just don't understand how we haven't done this more often already. It's, yeah, it, it's where I would be playing him all the time. I mean, he marks the ball 40 out. He's going to kick the goal from 40, from 50 out. He, that's no worries there. But he's also going to take that mark 
50 to 60 out that we're not getting all the time. The one that gets turned over quite often. The one that gets, yeah, he doesn't need to be that last kick into the 50. We have a tall forward line and good crummers that can work. Let's get him up the ground. So centre-half forward for him. You've got either Sharman or Caminiti full forward. you got the two crummers, Butler and Higgins. Um, Filippo probably plays off a left wing. And there yeah, you just say, Hayes probably between the three positions of ruck, forward, and bench. Subbing on for uh, subbing into the ruck for Marshall when he's when he's having a rest, but Marshall can also be that other weapon that drops down the forward line when when he's having a having a rest out of the ruck too. So it's as we're saying, it's a problem, but it's a good problem and it's a big problem. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. There's we've got a lot of options, and yeah, but I'll be built. I would be building that around. King at center half forward. Interesting. Steve M asks uh, about Dougal Howard and I guess what we look like without him over the next couple of weeks. Can we live without him? I think we, we've kind of touched on that a little bit. And I think we are going to find out you know, what we look like without Dougal Howard. And, and that might help inform, I guess, what happens throughout the course of this offseason. We know there is some interest in Dougal Howard from a couple of other teams. Uh, we do know that the, the fan base is is getting a bit antsy with Dugs and, and some of the things that he does with the ball. Um, I still think that he's really important for our structure. I think that we do we do need another uh, big key defender. If it's not Dougal Howard, I'm not sure Zane Cordy is the full-time long-term answer to that, whether we go out and get one, whether someone like a, an Oscar Adams or a James Van Ness or whatever is ready to step up next year, probably not in that type of role. Uh, but we are going to find out over the next few weeks what that looks like. Um, Tim D asks, are we better off having our next four opponents thinking they've got the win already against us? Is having a somewhat complacent opponent to our advantage to get the two wins we need to secure finals? And Matt Matt has asked, why am I untroubled by Carlton? And I think that they both go hand in hand. I think it's not so much about having complacent opponent, Phil, but I feel like when we go into games as underdogs, uh, we potentially feel like we've got less to lose uh, regardless of ladder position, what's at stake, etc. But you know, we hopefully can go in and play our own game, and and Carlton are a, a really good opportunity to do that this week. Yeah, agreed. I, I think uh, Ross Lyon said it best: the ladder doesn't lie, and we may not have played some of our best football, but sometimes they're attributes of a reasonable team that can still keep getting over the line without playing their best football, and. Uh, People will argue, oh, we've beaten nothing. Well, okay, but North Melbourne have pushed teams right to the edge. Uh, Hawthorne has beaten some very good teams, including, let's not forget, uh, the, mm. the Lions uh, only a few weeks ago. And, you know, I think Sam Mitchell's has done a, a wonderful job uh, as, a, as a, young, a, a young coach. And, you know, so I, I think that, uh, there are arguments to say that whilst the wins don't look spectacular, there was plenty of merit in in getting through them and the four points. And, you know, from my perspective, that you can only play uh, who's in front of you. And if we're good enough, we'll get there. And if we're not good enough, we won't. And, you know, I, I just, 
I just think that uh, that the team can be proud of their effort so far, but they can't be proud of their effort uh, if there is none. And so 100% effort, 100% of the time. And then again, a Rossism, uh, the process will take care of the result. I think that that leads really nicely into the final question, which I've been saving till the end uh, on purpose. But here's Timmy asks, when you guys talk about Saints footy, what do you actually mean? And does the meaning change when a new coach comes in and changes the game plan? Or is it simply when we play good, that's Saints footy, and when we play bad, that's not Saints footy? And I think, Phil, uh, I might uh, get you to answer this uh, again in a minute, but I think you said it when uh, when you talk about 100% effort, 100% of the time, and you know, doing the things, the, the fundamental things uh, to allow the process to take care of itself, uh, that is ultimately Saints footy, particularly under Ross Lyon. But I think that it's what the message has been for the last 15 years is that, uh, you know, whether it was Ross, whether it was Scott Waters, uh, whether it was Richo, whether it's Rats, it's that 100% effort, 100% of the time. It hasn't always worked, but I think that has always been the goal and that is what Saints footy is. Uh, do you have a, another definition of, of Saints footy? No, I think uh, I think that's in a nutshell. Nutsh- uh, I think that's it in a nutshell. Uh, and I, I think Saints footy is all about knowing what you're going to get, uh, and it being uh, being reliable and uh, dependable. And that's that's not for us as supporters, by the way. It's for the players. They know what they're going to get from their teammates when they walk out onto the field. And you know that was. Uh, absolutely a hallmark of Ross Lyon 1.0 uh, in terms of performance and output. And we've seen, we have genuinely seen a different game plan in Ross 2.0, but the fundamentals don't change. And uh, that's what I like. H, Saints footy? Oh, I, I think it's just something that gets thrown out when we're wrapping about. Um, yeah, it's. I think we go as soon as we win a game or we or we kick nine goals in a quarter. There's Saints footy. It's 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 it started when clearly we won numerous games and never lost and that became the Saints footy. That was what it was. We, we were turning up at basically to not be beaten. And, and yeah, that's what we want. We want the players turning up thinking we cannot be beaten. And, yeah, it, it's, it ebbs and flows. Um, I mean, there's quite often times where we do all the, or have those sort of games where everything goes wrong and we call that Saints footy as well. It, it's, it sort of has a bit of a two-prong meaning at times. So it just it just all depends on how we're going at that time. But generally, yeah, it gets thrown about when we're up and about. So hopefully this week is a bit of Saints footy. There you go. Uh, the awards to finish up, uh, I'm going to jump in early and just say I don't really have much this week. Um, have either of you guys got uh, any nominations for either the Jason Blake or the Shannon Noll this week? Yes, I'll jump in uh, and give H uh, a couple of moments. So Jason Blake, uh, special shout out to Adrian Anderson 
for getting uh, the hammer off his one-week suspension. Uh, I think uh, for so long, St Kilda supporters have just naturally thought that when there's uh, something at the at the uh, uh, at the uh, the coal face that they're not going to get one week, it's going to be increased, and somehow we're going to miss our players for uh, the next half of the year. So uh, well done, Adrian. Uh, you've earned your money. Uh, but uh, I thought uh, Ryan Burns uh, has been given a, a, a bad rap the last couple of weeks in and out of the team. I think his performance has been much better than that. Uh, this week he only had 16 posies, but he went at 87% efficiency. So uh, a shout out to him. But I actually went uh, for my actual Jason Blake award to somebody else that's been in and out of the team, theoretically managed. I don't know what that means uh, these days. And that was to uh, Liam Stocker, 17 possessions at 94% efficiency, uh, doing the hard nuggety stuff up up the back. I, I think he was fantastic. And I'd hope, uh, I hope he plays and has a smashing game against his old club and stick it right up them. Uh, so my that's uh, my that's my Jason Black Award. Do you want me to go on to Shannon Knoll or pull that one for uh, a moment? No, go through, go through. Yeah, so Shannon Knoll, uh, I thought about giving it to Wilkie. Zero tackles, zero tackles, right? But you can't give it to a man that dominates his position and does so much for the balance of our structure and our team and marshalling other troops. So maybe he's telling all the other players, go and tackle him. That's okay. Uh, so, uh, so the one I'm giving it to is Hunter Clark. 18, position, 18, 18 uh, possessions, 83% effective disposals, five contested, but I know that he can do more. And I think uh, if we are to win a premiership, Hunter Clark will be in the team and dominating. I think he can uh, lift. I think he can do so much more. And I think, again, a bit like that, that pep speech that I want to give to Zane Cordy. I know you can do it. I know the player that you can be. I need you to go out there and believe in yourself and show it. And uh, uh, if, he, if he does that, my gosh, uh, St. Kilda, uh, St Kilda won't lose if Hunter Clark is uh, best of field. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Jeez, you sound like me sometimes, Phil, because I reckon I gave Hunter Clark the Shannon Knoll a few weeks ago after he'd had a couple of pretty decent games and uh, said that if he takes that next step up, then we're going to be a very good team with him in the middle. And I'm pretty sure I got a, a, a pretty dirty text from you or a call from you the following day. So uh, I'm glad you've uh, you've changed sides. H, have, uh, have you got a, a Blake or a Knoll? Well, I wanted to give it to the same player. And just something I will, will touch you on before we started. I didn't give him a vote this week, but Kubi Sharman played a great role. He The role he played on the week was fantastic. He did basically what we needed. He's, he's crashing packs, flying for marks, but hold the marks. Come on, let's get him. Let's, let's <laughs> hold those marks. We, 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 want it, we want to see one of these, yeah, one of these big, oh, if he took that one over Sicily, that was mark of the year locked in. He, we, that was he was almost hitting the roof. He was he was up a long way. So, but the brilliance was that he took Sicily out of the play and we ran on with it. So, yeah, there, there's the fantastic what he's doing. But I'd love to see him just take one of them. 
he's flown so many times this year and they just have not stuck. So get a bit of belt grip on those hands and let, let's see one stick. That's so St. Kilda this week is is an interesting one. I, I don't have an official one because I, I kind of hope that we do a reverse. That's so St. Kilda where normally, you know, we'll come up against a team that's lost a bunch of games in a row or playing real average footy and we, we, we make them look like world beaters. We're, we're coming up against a team that's won six in a row, including beating the, the premiership favourites. I hope that we turn them into a second or third rate team on Sunday and, and show our show our footy. And, and that's I, I hope that would be a reverse that's so St Kilda. Have either of you guys got a uh, that's so St Kilda this week? Well, the the reverse one would be the um, the suspension being overturned. It, usually everything's gone against us over the previous years, but yeah, we've I don't know as you're saying we've managed to swing it around this year and actually get some positive results. So that has been yeah completely that's not so Kilda this year. <laughs> Phil. Now, let's go with the, again, that's so Carlton. They get on a roll, and just as they get on a roll, they have injuries, and Liam Stocker comes out and smashes his old side, which they gave away for nothing. For any of you who have blue bagger friends, make sure you remind each and every one of them they gave him away for nothing, right? So, uh, yeah, that's so Carlton. Uh, hopefully in that blue bagger. In that same vein, uh, Caminiti off the back of getting off at the tribunal, comes in kick six on uh, mm. on Weedering, uh, and shows shows Carlton what they lost when uh, yep. when Silvani told his old man that that he should pick him up for St Kilda. And Blake Akers can show him what they look forward to when Gresham appears there too. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, that just about wraps it up. Uh, Sunday afternoon at Marvel three twenty. It is our home game, but I think there's going to be a lot of Carlton fans. So. Uh, get out there, make a lot of noise. I thought it was brilliant last week hearing all the Saints fans in the crowd uh, up and about, yelling, chanting, cheering, etc. So get there again, make some noise, and uh, go Saints. <laughs>